since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward. An infinite and endless liar. An hourly promise breaker. The owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Aiden. And you are not Aiden. No. That is a horrible lie. You're I am Aiden. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to confuse the audience because you're confusing yes, me. So yes, right. uh, I am actually Aiden. And I am actually Lindsay. And we are the Bix. We are the Bix. Uh, in this episode, we are here to talk about Comedy of Errors. Yes. It is one of Shakespeare's earliest comedies. The only play of Shakespeare's that has the word comedy in the title. Oh, there. Hey, handy. handy quite uh, quite a, a short, fun, confusing uh, play. Yes. Which I will try and summarize right now. Yes. So, Lindsay, we are going to do our 30-second summary. I can't believe 30 uh, seconds. Who agreed to this? We both did. Should have been was, a minute. A minute would have made a lot more sense, but this is for the listener. 30, so, 30 seconds was the same amount of time as a Jeopardy. I think Yes, that was, I think that's what, what we, we were going it. for. So, Ugh. Well, here we are. All right, ready. Can we blame Alex Trebek? No, I'm blaming you, and you're just delaying yes, the inevitable. I am, just I get am. ready right, to describe right. this in 30 seconds. Ready, set, Go. So a man comes to a foreign town looking for his long-lost twin sons who have the same name, who have been separated for many, many years, and uh, their twin servants, I guess, who also share the same name. They've been separated for years and years. This family has been split apart, and they come back together in this small seaport town. Calamity ensues. It is a comedy of errors. It is where that title, that phrase came from. I, did, I think okay. I did pretty good. That was. That I, was I don't know how good. else to describe that it. Was... You can't get into all the details about necklaces and gilders and, <laughs> That's true. and wives you... <laughs> and globes and all sorts of things. And... You framed it as a happy little family reunion. Well, it uh, kind which it of kind is. of is. It kind of yeah. is, right? So that is. Uh... The interesting part it's a it's a strangely structured play in that in that sense. Well, let's let's talk about the play first because okay. I'm okay. sure that people who read it along with us um because we struggled, they probably struggled as well, listeners out there in mm-hmm. podcast land. Um we have this this the first act of the play sets up the conflict quite nicely that there's this man who has come from uh, afar from Syracuse yep. to the Greek town of Ephesus and he is looking for his son even though Ephesus and Syracuse are uh, in this embroiled in this um, trade yeah, war trade I war, guess, I guess yeah. and yeah. he's fallen victim to it because he will he will die as a Syracusan coming to Ephesus he he's facing the death penalty and he explains the reason why he came there knowing that this would happen to him um, and he has this this great speech to the Duke about his twin sons who were both somehow given the same name, who were born in the same hour as two other boys who also have the same name, um, which he bought from... Yeah, he they, bought, so these, he bought two these two children as slaves. Yes. Um, raised them together, these four children with two names between them. <laughs> and um, But at some point, they're, they're sailing home. He was a merchant, and, and his family, his wife wanted him to go home. And 
they confusingly hit stormy waters, but they survive that and hit a rock in calm waters. Yeah. And the ship splits into two, and they the, get separated. His yes. wife and two of the children. One of the one uh, of the Antiphilae, yes, and one of the Dromios, which yes. we'll learn about. Uh, go one way, and he goes the other way with the other uh, sons. Um, and they've been separated ever since. And and I think the children. It's been like twenty some years or something yeah. uh, since. Well, no, they. It's been. I don't know how old they were at the point when yeah, they left. Yeah, it sounded like maybe they were babies. Children, I yeah. can't tell. Yeah. Um, but it's been a number of years. They're, the boys are about 23 or 25 or something like something that. Something around there. Um, it just so happens that he lands in Ephesus with, he's trying to, it's been five years for sure since he's, he's seen his Antiphilus and his Dromeo. Um, they also are in Ephesus looking for their twins. Yeah. Um, and that's the source of the of the, the hilarity. So the, the father sets up the initial conflict that brings us. It's like the the long ago inciting incident that yeah. brings us to a thesis in the modern day. Yes. of this play. Yes. Um, and then we have these two, the Antiphili and the Dromeos, and. Um, in every staging we've seen, I think we've seen this a couple of times performed live, and we watch the BBC adaptation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they dress the the two Antiphilus and the two Dromeos as uh, in the same costume. Yeah. And it's just a series of mistaken identities. Yeah. You know, Antiphilus of Syracuse sends Dromeo of Syracuse off somewhere, and Dromeo of Ephesus Comes meets back. him next. And, and, and like, oh, where's right? the thing I gave and you? Then, <laughs> and then Dromeo of Syracuse meets with Dromeo, or with Antiphilus of Ephesus. And, yeah. and it's just... And then the wives get involved, and there's um, merchants, and there's jewelers, and there's all these people, there's courtesans, yes, who are all engaged in this, um, this, this comedy of errors, comedy of confu- errors, it's Absolutely. comedy of confusion, it really yes. is, and uh, it's, I mean, there's a lot of that in Shakespeare. There's twins throughout Shakespeare. Uh, there's cross dressing for confusion's sake, uh, but this one is just to the max. I mean, two sets of identical twins with the same yeah. name is basically unheard of. Uh, in the canon, at least, and this is this one is just playing on those ridiculous premises yeah. uh, to the, to the utmost. Yeah, uh, and there's really no reason for it other than trying to to amp up that confusion, I think, and and make that a funny situational comedy. I guess yeah. it adheres to the the unities that yes. the ancient Romans believed were the and the Greeks believed were the uh, the central tenet of good playwriting yeah. i think the whole play takes place over a five hour period yeah or a day or something um, yeah. less than a day yeah. yeah and uh and and it is actually based on on a play by plautus i believe yeah it's called uh i'm gonna butcher the latin of course but it, i believe it's menechmi 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 perhaps let me see okay it's that m word uh and it, yes it's by plautus and it, it, it does have a very similar structure there is uh, a pair of twins separated at birth um and this in the description I read uh, explained how they wound up with the same name. They actually, or no, in the in the Latin place or in Plautus's, they don't have the same name. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, they are constantly confused for one another. Yeah. No, wait, they do have the same name. Do they? Sorry, there's no servants in this. Oh, in, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it keeps most of the other things. There's a there's a gold necklace yes. involved, and there's there are a lot of similarities. But then Shakespeare throws this extra layer on top of yeah. having the servants the Dromios, and having yeah. yeah the Dromios added in, and then to have also um, this fourth act twist with the um, arrest yeah, of, of one of the one of the yeah. Yeah. who uh, for not paying his debt for a necklace that he 
uh, asked for. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, Shakespeare thought this would be a good idea. Uh, it works. I think it works better on stage than it does on paper. And eventually, like, the story does have a happy ending. It's it's huh. the, the father does not die. Um, they find their mother, who coincidentally has been living in the town as a, in a nunnery, as a... Yeah. Um, for at least 10 years or so, yeah. uh, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, there, there are many plot holes oh, in this story. I mean, they, they, the account is not even consistent. At one point, Ephion, uh, I think, Aegean, uh, the father is saying, well, I haven't seen my son in five years. And then at the end of the play, it's been seven years since right. you've seen my face. No wonder you don't recognize me kind yeah. of thing. It was just, it's not very consistent. These seem like textual errors even that yes. could be caught. Uh, but you know, it's it just how the play has come to us. Um, but there, there are a little distracting. But at the same time, it's it's a comedy. It's, it's fun, and it, it's That's fun. The whole exactly. point of it is that it's supposed to be this comedy of errors. It's it's a series of unfortunate events that lead to mass confusion. Nobody gets hurt really badly. Not too badly. Um, they might have their feelings hurt, but that's and Dromeo about gets it. beat up. A, a Dromeo, bunch, yeah. yes, poor Dromeo does get. Uh, his pate smacked quite often. <laughs> quite often, yes. Um, but Both it's, Dromeos, yeah. Yeah, but it's not, um, it's not a, a harsh play in any way, shape, or form. It's it's actually light, fun reading. I think we both read it in yeah, about like a, two hours. Yeah, the most, it, was a, yeah. it was a quick read. And even the BBC production that you know expanded and, and lengthened it, I would say, at points, was only about only an hour and 45 less, minutes. Yeah, yeah, less than two hours. So yeah. um, quite an enjoyable play, but full of... Um, full of these confusing moments and not a lot of weighty moments. We we looked yeah. at issues that we we wanted to talk about in this, as we've done with with the previous plays. Um, what are some of the issues that come up in this play? And we couldn't really label more than a couple. Two or three, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, one of the obvious ones is identity, but yes. it's it's not really played with the way you might expect a play with two sets of identical twins. Not not the way that future Shakespearean plays yes. play with it, like Twelfth Night, with the yes, character of Malvolio exactly. and his madness being presented as a a plot device and, and a, a point of comedy, but also something that that gives him a, a great deal of pathos. Yeah. Um, in the, this, this play, play is not concerned with that no. at all. But the, the seeds are kind of the, sown. Exactly. And, and there, the other one that we kind of uh, latched onto was was this idea of madness and, and perhaps the religiousness of uh, the solution to madness. That That mm-hmm. is one thing that, that kind of weighs in. There is a, a religious uh, pinch character. Slash who's, doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, how different <laughs> was it back then? But he's he's going to cure uh, Antiphilus's uh madness by locking him in a in a dark right. room and praying for him right right um and then the abbess as well is yes. has her own uh divine cures um that was about as weighty as the stuff got and it was it's a very kind of uh folk logic mm-hmm. i guess of the time you know shakespeare's audience would have been like oh yeah yeah the guy's totally. crazy send it to send him to the, send the him crazy to the yeah. yes exactly yeah. um but it, it it is an interesting thing to have um the, the main thrust of the identity confusion being that the Antiphilus of Andromeo of Syracuse are literally replaced by the Antiphilus Andromeo of Ephesus to the point where they are eating in the house and uh, you sleeping mean the other with way around, the wives. But yeah. Did I mean? Yeah, you said Syracuse was replaced by Ephesus. But we're yeah, in Ephesus. the other way around. Yeah, you're, yeah. Right, you're right, you're right. We're in Ephesus. <laughs> yeah. um, so Syracuse, the Syracuse couple um <laughs> take over for the Ephesian couple yeah. and um they the the Syracusean 
Antiphilus remarks at one point that he he nobody knows who he is anymore. He walks down the street and people think he's somebody else. They talk to him because they've had conversations with his twin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't know what's going on. And so it's not played up. There's there. I think I remember one speech, one reference to this. Other plays by Shakespeare would have taken that and maybe expanded on yeah. it. I could see a modern adaptation playing a little bit more with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's only the one time. So it's not really a huge issue in the play. No. It's mostly because this is mostly played up for, for laughs. Yeah, it's and, for laughs. And it's, so you don't get a sense of like social isolation or or con- identity confusion really no. it's just like this is weird but i'm gonna go along with it and see where it goes wink wink at the audience like well and because it's <laughs> because it's got comedy right in the title i mean everybody would have known going into it that this was going to have a happy ending no. although i have read some um I say criticism it's not like they're being critical of it but it's it's an analysis of a play that says because it has comedy in the title Shakespeare is forcing us to reckon with what a comedy is I'm not 100% sure that's what's going on here because it does seem like it's fairly fluffy it's marshmallow it's not this isn't the chocolate of the s'mores it's (laughs) it's the fluff on top it is the fluff so it's it's really not um I I, I don't think anyway um pointing to that so everybody would know that this was going to have a happy ending so any uh, angst that happens in the play is is quickly yeah. thrown aside. Yes, right. Um, the religious aspect is interesting. I mean, having it take place in Ephesus, which I mean, Saint Paul and Ephesians is that's referenced a couple of times within the play. Yeah. There there are quite a few biblical references to the play. There's also references to the city being a town of of devils and and right. uh, tricksters and stuff like that as well, though. So it's it it is I'd say a little concerned with you know what is the religious good of of pretending to be something you're not. Sure, I think that's maybe the if there was a central theme to the morality of this play, I'd say that's. We're kind of headed in that direction. Well, and, and then it's also interesting, too, to have... Um, I, I'm not up on my biblical uh, scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to have a play that, that centers on a town that has religious fanaticism and references to witchcraft and, and tricksters, the identity of the town itself is called into question mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. We're, we're not really sure where we are, even though we're told where we are. and And it's very clear that there are there's a lot of travelers this is a seaport there are a lot of people milling about there's a marketplace um but it's not it's not a hundred percent clear what um what we're dealing with at any point even with the people that that we we think we know right and that's really focused on antiphilus and dromeo whether syracuse or ephesus they're um they're both kind of the 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 central spoke, I guess, of that commentary on identity. Mm-hmm. Why then the world's mine oyster, which I with sword will open. The other um, issue, quote unquote, that we came up with was actually brought up in the essay, the Folger, Folger um, uh, yeah, version. The, that yeah, the, there's always a, a, a modern, modern perspective. Yes. Uh, this one was by Arthur F. Kenny and Kinney, sorry, and uh, he said it is one of uh, Shakespeare's most capitalist plays. Yes. Um, and it it kind of checks out the the word gold is mentioned the most times of yeah, any like thirty times or thirty something times like or something that. like way more than every other uh, Shakespearean play. even Merchant of Venice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it, uh, the rest of the play also concerns things. It is a very yes. kind of uh, object oriented play in that there's a gold chain there is rope there is 
They're the things that identify the characters. Even the people are things when you talk about the Dromeos being purchased, yes. right? Yes, exactly. Uh, and th- it even goes to the to the farthest extreme of this. The farthest is a word I've just invented, yes. of course. Uh, but the furthest extreme of this uh, in the play is uh, the father has his life can be bought yes it is even even life and death is within kind of the reach of uh this newfound capitalist yeah. kind of uh markets money economy that's that's sprung up it's in, merchant economy yeah exactly it's it, but this was fairly new you know it yeah. wasn't it wasn't the feudalism where you know you paid in you paid your taxes in grain yeah you now you pay your taxes with coin yeah. and you can use the coin to buy other things yes. and go to see a play in the in yeah. the globe you know like this is a different world world than the one that Shakespeare might have even grown up in. I mean, it was very comfortable for him because he was from this wool selling uh, by illegally, uh, (laughs) this illegal uh, merchant family of his. Um, But it was it was something new for the populace. And it makes a lot of sense in the city of London where, you know, it is a merchant town. There's people coming and going. There's Antiphili coming in and leaving all the time. So uh, it would have made sense in that context. And jewelers. Exactly. You're mixing with religious fanatics and yeah. you're you know in markets and everything it's it's yeah i think that's that's a really interesting point um that arthur kinney makes yep, yep. also uh, another little instance of that is uh this is i think and Lindsay, you can correct me when i'm wrong because i'm sure i am wrong but uh this is the first time i can remember a courtesan having lines in a play mm. Um, there are references to prostitution and, yeah. and other instances like that. But in this case, uh, you know, <laughs> female sexuality and money are kind of combined into this one f- character. Yeah. But she is a character. Yeah. And in the BBC production especially, they really kind of ham her up and like make her like a very sexualized kind of Well, creature. everybody was quite sexualized yeah, in that play. All the All the ladies in that production... You know, were, but when yeah, were displayed you didn't, you in a didn't, certain way, you didn't see Aiden's uh, <laughs> hand gesture. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, topical. Let's yes. just put it that way. Uh, so, I, but it is interesting because uh, most like exchanging sex for money was mm-hmm. you know is such an evil if, of this time, mm. but it was also commonplace. You know, it's, the world's oldest profession. Exactly. So, and in London, you know, there were <laughs> tons of streets, and Shakespeare probably visited those many times. So. Uh, it was something that both happened and wasn't to be talked about. Right. And in this play, it's the one instance where they treat it fairly fair. fair. Well, it's, it's just a thing that happens. Exactly. Like, it's just like, well, and the, the, the way this character who's just named courtesan, by the yeah. way, uh, gets locked up into it is that, uh, uh, Antiphilus of, uh, Ephesius, uh, T- tries to go home for dinner and his wife has locked him out because she thinks she already has her husband in because yeah. she's the other one. Uh, and he's like, well, screw you then. I'm just going to go visit my mistress And the, I'm going to take brothel. this necklace that I was going to give to my wife yeah. and give it to the ho- give it to the hooker. Instead. <laughs> and it's... Sorry, sex worker. Sex worker. Thank you. Yes, yes we should. Yes, yes let's be should. positive about this. Uh, and so it was... It's, it's interesting that uh, this money fascination extends into... Uh, this particular play, but not into so many of Shakespeare's other works like The Merchant of Venice, where it is ostensibly about merchants. And it's, you know, that is is also right in the name and it's a far less... Uh, it's a play that's far less concerned about that topic. Well, it is, but it isn't. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Merchant of Venice when we get to Merchant of Venice, but there there is still a lot of... um, It's trading love for 
material goods mm-hmm. and it's there's life for for um a pound of flesh, flesh is is, yeah. is equated to what what the value uh, of his yeah, yeah what shaw has lost, lost stuff, yeah. right um so uh, there is still an element of trade going on there but the fact that it's that it's played i think you are right that this is the first time at least in well, the that we've read so far that we've yeah. read um that shakespeare has has explicitly put a courtesan on it given on her character and and, lives, and yeah. have it be such an important role it is yeah. you know she comes out to um she she eventually is part of the reason that this whole thing gets exposed yeah. right um so it's not it's not just that she's somebody that was hired for the night and it's not even mentioned like the the porpentine inn or tavern yeah, or wherever, wherever that he goes stays, to yeah. it's not even mentioned as being a brothel or a place where you could engage a sex worker i thought maybe it was but it I might be hinted tell. at but it's yeah. not it's not like this is it's not um it's not something that Antiphilus is shamed for. His yeah. wife is probably not happy with it. Well, and, yeah, and she rails not, against it. But it's not. But. It's not because it's a moral sin. It's because you're my husband, and yeah, don't yeah. go sleeping around with other people. Yeah. So it's it's almost like this is an accepted thing. So um, I, I I see that as just this is another type of person who engages in this new mercantilist, yeah. you know, system of. Yeah, Eco- gold economics. For, yeah, exactly. This gold is for early whatever. stage capitalism, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. We're we're six hundred years later, <laughs> oh, four hundred years later, late stage capitalism. But um, but yeah, so I just I I see it as somebody else who's benefiting from and engaging with this new economy that's sprung up in London, but it's been grafted onto this ancient greek kind Town, of yeah or it doesn't even have to be ancient greek although i think it is supposed to be yeah i can't tell the, the time past. frame exactly it really doesn't matter that's yeah. the great thing about the comedies is that you can set them anywhere yeah. and at in any time but um yeah so so it does feel like it's very much um a play that that shakespeare wrote for london of the late 1500s mm-hmm. um and that is reflected in the type of um, characters and the characters and their interactions the, and, yeah. and the exchanges. What's the word I'm looking yeah, for? Exchanges, transactions, transactions that people make, right? Yeah. Because there are, if you count the number of times that people communicate with one another and transact with one another, um, while also somehow missing the point and and missing <laughs> yes. each other and missing the truth yeah. entirely, yes. um, it's it's interesting. Everybody is so laser focused on their own, and that was another thing that I that um, came up in. Um, the criticism that I was reading was that if these characters were not so focused inwardly on their own, you know, the merchant who just wants his money and the the guy who just wants to set sail and Antiphilus who just wants his bed to sleep in and the wife who just wants her husband back. And if all of these characters were just focused a little bit more outside of themselves, they probably would have figured out that, Pretty oh my quickly. gosh, there's two Antiphili in this town. Well, especially, like, especially the yeah. son who's, who's <laughs> looking for his twin brother. You know, you think doesn't that consider, like, after, oh, after yeah. the first time that you meet Dromeo and he doesn't know who you are, doesn't remember give, you giving him a thousand ducats or yeah, whatever yeah. it was yeah, you'd you figure it out figure but out? everybody yeah. is so turned inward and i think that's also um it it's how the errors that are part of this play that make this play happen it's mm-hmm. how they start but it also serves as kind of we can look at it as kind of a commentary on this burgeoning economic system that really does focus you inward on your own yeah. goals and your own interests and your own uh, betterment in a way Okay. You 
horse and cow. Do, do. Thou stole for a week. I do, do, thou sodden witted lord. Thou hast no more brain than I have in my nose. Uh, one thing you noticed, Lindsay, as we were, especially as we were watching, they're like, why do they rhyme so much? Well, it's all, like, most of the play, well, a lot of it is in rhyming couplets, which yeah. is odd. It's either you get these iambic pentameter type, they are iambic verses. Yes. But they're not, um, they're not sonnet form it's not you know these winding beautiful soliloquies there's rhyming couplets and it's very halting and it's and it's really obvious when you watch the bbc version yes um but yeah i want to hear what you well discovered here well no and i just i i quickly uh googled the latin text of uh the original plautus and there was a similar amount of that okay uh so very 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 likely uh shakespeare was either reading the Latin or had seen the Latin performed or had it in his head that this was how Plautus did it all the time. So, so I, this is like, I'm honoring the exactly. original. And it was just, it was part of the, you know, he didn't want to separate the context and the the performance mm. style from the actual content itself. Okay. So um, I, I just thought that was interesting because it also, I noticed it a lot too, that there was a lot of this. I was kind of halting. It was also kind of, some of it led to some funny lines, especially well, in the BBC production. And that's, that's what I was, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about Dromeo's wit. Um, yes. It, for for a kind of a fool character and to have two of them on stage at once, yeah. really, um, it's interesting how many fun and playful lines Dromeo gets for being this downtrodden servant. He literally gets beat. Like, in the BBC production, <laughs> every time he comes to Antiphilus, he gets whacked. Yeah. Um, but he, he talks a lot about how many times he's been beaten by either Antiphilus or his mistress. Yeah. Um, for just not doing for doing what he's supposed to be doing but not doing it the right way or whatever um and uh and he does have some a lot of really fun puns the one that it's horrible it's really terribly misogynistic it is. but it's brutal. but the um the reference of the reference that Dromeo of Syracuse makes to Dromeo of Ephesus's wife yeah. or would be wife I think are they married or is it just I like a they sweetheart? Are, yeah. She's a scullery maid or, or a kitchen maid or something in the house of Antiphilus of Ephesus. And, um, and he describes her as being, she's so full of grease because she works in the kitchen that she could be a lantern that would like burn longer burn than Armageddon lo- like. longer than Armageddon but he also says she's so big she's like a globe and there's this awful exchange that Antiphilus and Dromeo have where they talk about where various countries would be located on her, her body, body yeah. Ireland and Scotland and the Netherlands but he never looked so low so he doesn't know exactly where the Netherlands are but there's also reference to uh, the Americas and stuff like that so I think it's it's just um it's 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 interesting because whatever time frame Shakespeare had intended this to be set in, um, the Americas were not quote unquote discovered until the 15th century by European explorers. So um, to have this kind of uh, very earnest reference to mm-hmm. this new colony yeah. um, being put in here makes it a very modern play in a way for the time period yeah, for exactly. the contemporary and that's why the, that's why it's hard to think that this is would be like set in ancient greece but at the same eh, time i think shakespeare does it enough yeah, that you yeah, would have true. references to things that that happened hundreds or a thousand years yeah. later um that that well, wouldn't yeah. none of those you know, characters would have believed in god either no and they wouldn't of, have had yeah. any references to saint paul's letter to the ephesians yeah, yeah, right yeah. like none of that would have happened if this were set in ancient greece so who knows when this is actually said it doesn't really matter no um but it's just interesting that that we have this character who is 
so downtrodden and has this, I guess, you know, his circumstances force him to be jolly and jovial and to have keep his sense of humor yeah. about him. Um, but but his language is quite interesting, if not a little bit horrible. I did laugh out loud and I felt really guilty for laughing when I when I finished reading it. Yeah, it was uh, it's not a nice thing at all. Uh, but I, but the language is interesting. The yes. language is fun and it yeah. does lend itself to a very interesting and fun read. Life but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot. It's full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. So we watched the one super faithful BBC, as always, yes. uh, production, uh, which, by the way, featured Roger Daltrey of The Who yes. as uh, both Dromeos. Which really threw me even though Aiden told me that it was Roger Daltrey I saw him on screen and I just glanced really briefly and I thought is that Michael Crawford it looked a lot like a young Michael Crawford but it's not it's it's Roger Daltrey um and nobody else of of grand note there's no, no other you know big names that big names. that we would recognize today um, um but a, a very capable cast as always oh yeah. uh, the BBC always did it but really what's interesting production. is that they chose to have the same actor play both Antifly yes. and both Dromeos. Yeah. In the play versions we've seen, that hasn't been the case. Yes, they they've have, used costumes to yes. identify Which, the similarities. Because you kind of have to, I think. You can't do... There are lots of camera tricks that filming them from behind when they had to be on stage together yeah. or whatever. You can't do that in a play. So yeah. it's not um, it's not something that's easily done. There are other adaptations, though, we haven't watched that... I'm really curious to see. And some of them are quite modern adaptations. They're not um, direct yeah, they're not, uh, direct they're, yes, adaptations they're not, they're of Shakespeare's not, Exactly. Text. It's not Shakespeare's uh, words, but it is the basic gist of these double twins mm-hmm. existing uh, throughout uh, time. There's There was one with, uh, I think it was Bette Midler, was it? And Lily Tomlin. And Lily Tomlin yeah. uh, from 1988. Uh, there have been a number, this was interesting when we went through it, there have been a number of Bollywood adaptations yeah. uh, from the 60s all the way up to, uh, I think there was the most recent one was from 2017, oh, okay. which is really interesting. There was also a musical. Uh, a, a, a Broadway a musical. A Broadway musical from the 30s. The Boys of Syracuse. Syracuse. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that one ran in, on on uh, Broadway until, I believe, 1963. So yeah. it, it had a, a long, sustained run. It's a fairly noteworthy play. I think it went back to Broadway in 2002 or something oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow. At least maybe the West End. It maybe might, might have been in London. Uh, but there was, uh, you know, this is a this is a, a flexible enough and simple enough storyline that you can adapt it to be whatever. Uh, we haven't watched any of these adaptations. No. We might in the future, but uh, we haven't watched any of them. We don't know if there's still gold chains and prostitutes and, and you know. I know that one of the Bollywood adaptations, grapes feature quite prominently <laughs> as one of the items, I think, that sure. are traded or given or something. So okay. there might be some additional significance there yeah. um, within the play. But I find that interesting that this is, that this is so um, consistently adapted. It's not one of Shakespeare's most um, celebrated reverent plays. plays. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's not like Hamlet or yeah. <laughs> Macbeth Richard or III, something. Yeah. Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, like the really celebrated plays that people feel they can either do justice to or need to be faithful to. It's just a fun play that lends itself to. I think I think that's part of it is that it it can be set anywhere yeah you can really have this play out i mean we talked about this when we were watching like a modern day adaptation 
um, would be harder to do because we have smartphones. You could just texture your assistant and be like, hey, dude, where are you? Where am I? Where's my gold? Yeah, so we'd have to find a way to swap phones at the same right. time. Right, and then, of course, the twins, if they have face recognition, it would, facial still, recognition, work, it would right? still work yeah. and they could access their phones, but their apps would be in the wrong place or something. But it, but it was just, it took us 30 seconds to come up with a, with a premise that could work in a very modern setting. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's something that makes Shakespeare... All of Shakespeare has has featured that. You can set a lot of it in in whatever, whatever time period you want. want. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, this one seems especially, very yeah, yeah, especially in Bollywood, it, it I, I'm really curious to see how another culture approaches this idea of you know confused identities and um, and kind of yeah, I guess the identity thing, madness, I yeah, would be the other yeah, one. Yeah. How they approach these issues and the family of like the wives and how they deal with the, yeah. the weird husbands who are acting strangely. And so, yeah, it'd be an interesting change. So we might we might look at that in the future. What's mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. Lindsay, it's time for marriage counseling. Uh, in this week's question, we're going lighthearted, just like the play itself. <laughs> Very simply, uh, who would you cast? In your modern adaptation of the play, uh, just for the Antiphili and the Dromios in particular, I'll, I'll let you go first. Oh, I, I have no idea. I have I have to think about oh, this. You I, don't know. So okay, I, well, I think I'm going to have to pass this back to you and let you go first. Right. I, I do have at least one uh, right off the top of my head. It came to me, and that is Paul Rudd as the Dromios. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but he's he's just so lovable. I don't think you could beat him so much, but he could be like a lovable goof, you know? Mm-hmm. He'd be like, oh, what, what do you mean you sent me to get the gold chain? I You sent me to get the rope. I I, I got the rope. What, what's wrong with you? And it would just, <laughs> you know, he, he's still lovable enough that like you could never really get mad at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'd be like a, kind of a switch mm-hmm. from uh, the current day Dromeo, but, uh, or from Shakespeare's Dromeo, but I, I really like that. Uh, would really you like have him. would you have him play both Dromeos? Yes, okay. I would I would I actually really enjoy that. And I think you could do a lot better job of it obviously with current technology than you could in 1984. Well, hey, we can BBC. cast James Dean in a modern oh, day film. Let's not so even I go guess there. anything let's is possible. Let's not even go there. Uh, so I, yeah, I think I think it'd be worthwhile to have uh, both of them play that one. And with that in mind, um, you know, maybe Antiphilus, the obvious most obvious choice, Will Ferrell. Okay. As Antiphilus. All right. Him and Paul Rudd work well together. Aiden's um, in a very mid 2000s yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. comedy See, mood thing, right now. Is, I've just created a Judd, a- Judd Apatow movie, and I'm yeah. fine with that. I think Judd Apatow would do a fine comedy of errors. <laughs> no, he really wouldn't. It would. It maybe like a stoner comedy comedy of errors. Yeah. That that could work too. Which most stoner comedies are. Pineapple Express. They're all comedies of errors. <laughs> That's really. true. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So you've already shut down mine. Lindsay, have has anything come to mind? Do you, well, do you have somebody? I think. The, the conceit of identical twins is funny, mm-hmm. I think, and, and the mixed identities makes for some very interesting situations to mm-hmm. arise. I think it would be even funnier if the actors you had playing these characters looked nothing like one another. I think that would that would add a, a layer of absurdity. And I think you could do a modern day adaptation <laughs> okay. with characters who don't look anything like one another um, being confused for one another because of the self-centeredness of the modern person, the modern wife, the modern uh, ah, merchants in, okay. in the, you're, you're the superstores. Okay, I like that. I, I think you could you could comment <laughs> on it a little bit um, and and kind of play with turn it from from this 
you know, mercantilist society into a late stage capitalist yeah, society yeah, okay. where we're all <laughs> isolated from one another. And it doesn't really matter who you're talking to. So so to that end, I mean, I immediately thought Ryan Reynolds would would play any of the characters. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> really. You do a good job. Um, yeah. And who would you play opposite Ryan Reynolds? I, I, Paul Rudd. Why not? <laughs> it wouldn't matter. They could be the Antiphili. And it wouldn't even matter. Right. You, you uh. could cast literally anyone. Idris Elba. No, sure. No, why not? You know who it is? It's Elijah Wood. <laughs> and uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. We <laughs> should do that. Okay. That would be amazing. As the Dromeos. As there the Dromeos, yes. That would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Any but they but they look too similar. Exactly. That's, 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 well, okay. okay. I'm I'm I my point is is more <laughs> that it doesn't matter what they look like. It's So it's yours more, sounds like an intellectual exercise. It, it would Lindsay, be more of an intellectual and, and, exercise. And you're kinda of getting away from the whole comedy of errors. Simple-minded yeah, Shakespearean comedy. Yeah, but comedy. I think I think you can elevate Shakespeare and make it I, <laughs> say something. In this day and age, Lindsay, we are trying to dumb down Shakespeare as much as possible. Why? I don't think that's necessary. We've literally said that's our goal. Okay. No, we we <laughs> have podcast. not. We were making it accessible. That doesn't mean we're dumbing fine, it down. Fine. I'm Andrew Scott yours, would, would be very upset with you right now. Yours is not accessible, Lindsay. I think it absolutely I, is. I, I I disagree, and I think that's why I'm well, declaring victory. I. I I th- you can declare victory all you want. I think we're going to have to throw this to our listeners. Fine. Who do you think has the better argument this week in marriage counseling? And do you have your own version of yeah, how many pairs? Cast? Who yeah. would you cast as uh, two sets of identical twins separated at some point in their lives and reunited in this hilarious slapdash slapstick <laughs> comedy of errors? Um, we would love to hear it. Sound off in the comments. Sound off on uh, social media. We would love to hear this. It is for all, all I have. He has eaten me out of house and home. All right, so that was it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, Comedy of Errors. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Thank you As very always, much, Aiden. An enjoyable discussion with yeah. you. Yeah, nice short little play to cap off a nice yeah. uh, short little podcast. Yeah. I should stop talking. You should. Uh, and you have a chance now because in two weeks' time, that's when we'll return uh, with another episode we've discussed and we are going to go with Venus and Adonis. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, it's a relatively short play. You Only 1,100 us- lines or something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, super crazy so and it was written around this time period as well so uh we'll we'll comment on that a little bit we'll do do our our usual you know sea level research into a given uh topic and uh, what about our next play episode the next play episode will be love's labor's lost right oh that'll be good that's mm-hmm. another good one another uh comedy comedy yeah um I, we've seen it twice i believe it's one of those plays that I don't remember very well. Well, see, this is the thing that. about Shakespeare's comedies is that there are so many <laughs> overlapping yeah. themes of and a lot of mistaken identity um, that it's hard to keep them all straight. But, uh, yeah, Love's Labor's Lost. I'm really excited to, to, uh, to dive into that one. But next week, or two weeks from now, Venus and Adonis, join us for that one. Um, final thoughts, Aiden? He's shaking his head. See, this is this is an audio thing. Yeah, you have to you know, oh, engage see, I, audibly I, oh. with the with the oh, microphone. That's why I've been doing it wrong all these oh, years. Oh Jesus. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com.
that's our cue to exit.